trust him. That's what we can do. Amen. Sometimes that's all you can do, but we should always only trust him. And uh, want you to, uh, if you would, would you open your precious Bible to the book of 1 Samuel, chapter uh, 29. We're going to do a lot of reading this morning. I want to get us caught up uh, to where we are. We've just been going right through the life of David. We've tried not to skip anything, and uh, we've just been trying to go right through it, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, and deal with it as God gives it to us. And, of course, we're going to look at this all the way through the book of 2 Samuel. And I don't know about you, but it's been very helpful to me. I've learned a lot. And, uh, you know, David is a a very important uh, character, a very important person in our faith. And uh, I think looking at his life, the way that uh, God has revealed it to me, just looking at it and studying it, I've learned so much. So many other things have come to light uh, because I, I personally have studied and looked through his life and dealt with the way the Lord's led me to look at it. 1 Samuel chapter 29. Now, to get you caught up, we were in chapter 28 Sunday night, and we know that Saul went and consulted with a witch and spoke to Samuel, had him brought up. We we dealt with that on Sunday night. So if you want to hear that message, uh, you can listen to last Sunday on our social media. There's sermon audio, Facebook. Um, YouTube, you can hear it. But really, now, so what we're doing is we're switching scenes here. We've been looking at David, and then we've been looking at Saul. So in chapter 27, uh, we've seen Saul and David. Chapter 26, they had David had spared Saul's life for the second time. He had that very heart-touching conversation with Saul, and Saul said, I'm not going to chase you anymore, David. So I don't know what happened between chapter 26 and chapter 27, but in verse 1 of chapter 27, and we dealt with this all last Sunday morning, David said in his heart, I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than to do. And he said, basically, here's what he said. I got to get to the land of the Philistines. I got to get over there to the enemy country because Saul's going to kill me. And I don't know what happened between chapter 26 and chapter 27. And again, we've expounded on all this last Sunday. But obviously his own thoughts, his discouragement led him to make some very dangerous decisions. So we know that he goes over there and he talks to King Achish and next thing you know he's lying, he's killing people. And King Achish gives him a little city called Ziklag for him and his men to abide there and to dwell there. And by the way, he took 600 men with him and their families. So now his decisions are not just affecting him, they're affecting hundreds of people. So we we dealt with that on last Sunday morning. Then in chapter 28, we switch back to Saul and we've seen that Saul goes to the wits of Endor and he no longer has Samuel there, so he wants to talk to Samuel, so he goes to a witch a mediator basically to bring Saul, to bring Samuel up. And Samuel basically tells him again, you know, Saul, I tried to warn you, I tried to tell you when I was there to listen to the Lord, and Saul never did. So he said, you're going to die and your sons. That took place in chapter 28. Then in chapter 29, we go back to David, and he's with the Philistines, and they're getting ready to go to war with the Israelites, which is David's people. And what amazes me as we read chapter 29, David was going to go. 
David was going to go fight with the Philistines against his own people. The very people that God had given him to be king over, he's getting ready to go fight with the, with the enemies. But providentially, God stops it. In chapter 29, now listen, David didn't stop it, God stopped it because he providentially stopped it by Achish was fine with David coming, but all of his captains of his army came to King Achish and said, look, what are you doing? This is David. He killed Goliath. He is an Israelite. If we take him to war, he's liable to turn on us in the middle of battle. Achish wanted David to come, but the men overruled the king. They would not go and fight. So Achish came to David and said, look, you cannot go to fight with us today. None of my rulers, none of my princes are going to fight with you today. So he had to leave. I wish I could say to you this morning that that was David's choice. But David was so caught up in his mess, he was going to go fight his own people. And the only thing that stopped him was God providentially hindered him. So now we look at verse th- chapter 30. Now, he's just been turned away by the Philistines, so he and his men are going to go back to Ziklag. And here's where we pick up the reading. And it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day, that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken the women captives that were therein. They slew not any, not any, neither great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city and behold, it was burned with fire and their wives and their sons And their daughters were taken captives. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept. Now, I I, I want to spend a little bit of time there later, but I'm like, look, these are not just any ordinary men. These are men that are full of valor. These are fighting men. These are men's men. And the Bible says that that they lifted up their voice and wept. And here's what the Bible says until they had no more. Power to weep. And David's two wives were taken captives. Ahinoam the Jezreelitess and Abigail the wife of Nabal the Carmelite. And David was greatly distressed. I believe that's the understatement of the year. For the people spake of stoning him. Because the soul of all the people were grieved. Every man for his sons and for his daughters But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And David said to Abiathar the priest, Elimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abiathar brought thither the ephod to David. And David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them. And without fail... Recover all. Heavenly Father, I pray you'll help us as we look at this passage. I pray you'll speak to our hearts and help us. We'll thank you for what you do. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I did not read all of this, but I want you to understand. He does pursue. 
They do overtake the Amalekites. They get everything. They get all their family back. They get all of their stuff back. They get everything back. Exactly what God said. He said, if you go and pursue, you will recover all. And so David went. He led his men. And they did exactly what God said. But I want you to keep in mind as we follow the life of David, this event, this event of Ziklag. This event or this crisis came upon David because of David's own decisions. It was self-inflicted. It was because of his sin. It was because of his choices. But here's my question. And I want all of us to sit here and think about this today because really it's dealing with a crisis or dealing with with our ziklags. Because by the way, we're all going to have ziklag moments. Dealing with this crisis, here's what I want to ask. Although David is in this situation because he said in his heart, and because he went and lived with the enemy, and because he was getting ready to go fight his own people, and God providentially hindered him to do that. And this is the same man that has been going out and killing innocent people, going back to King Achish and lying and saying, I've been robbing the people of Israel. This is the same man that God has already said will be the next king of Israel. Here he is in this mess and this crisis because of his sin and his decisions. But here's the question. But what is God trying to do? Do you ever think about that? Do you ever think about when you're just living your life and there are instances that are going on that you say, oh, this is all my fault and this, I'm in this situation because of where I'm at. Do you ever just stop and think, but what's God trying to do? When we deal with our crises and we understand, what is God trying to do in the life of David? Now remember, God has already told David he's going to be king. He's going to be ruling in Jerusalem. But before he can get to Jerusalem, he has to have a ziklag. See, I don't believe he'd ever be the king that God wants him to be if, if David did not have ziklag. And by the way, God is always working in our lives. And truthfully, we don't always understand our ziklags in life. But for God to prepare us and for us to be where God wants us to be many times we have to deal with a crisis. And here's the question. What is God trying to do? Do you know most people don't think like that? Even Christians, most people say this. Well, I just don't understand why this is happening. And by the way, guilty, I've said it. Many times when we're dealing with things that we just don't understand, we don't really just sit and think, but what God? what is God trying to do here? And by the way, I want you to know, God is working in David's life, even at Ziklag. Can I say, how about your life? What is he doing in your life? How many times we do not understand that God uses the ziklags and the crisis in our life, but he is working? Can I give you all an illustration? I think every parent here would understand. I wanna, I wanna, this illustration is to help you to understand that God's bigger. God's bigger than our little finite minds. God is bigger than our trouble. Do you know years ago there was a real mean boy in the community? I mean, he was a, he was a terror. He was a terror in the whole community. He bullied up on all the kids there. Well, one day he took a baseball and with all of his might threw it and hit a little girl in her mouth. And I mean threw it straight in her mouth. 
You could imagine what happened to this little girl. She lost teeth. She had gum problems. I mean, it was a mess. And you could imagine the parents. All the focus was on the boy. All the focus was on the girl. And they had to get her to a surgeon, a, dent- a dentistry surgeon. And they get her there. And, 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 and there's phone calls being made. And the parents are tore up as we all would be. Here's what's amazing. While that dentist, that surgical dentist was looking in her mouth, lo and behold, there was a tumor in the top of her mouth. And that tumor had gotten so large, the dentist told the family that if this would have never happened, this tumor, if this would have happened, two weeks later would have never happened, your daughter would have died because the tumor would have been too big to remove. I want every parent to listen to me just a second. God is bigger. God is bigger. When we deal with things in our life and all we see is the crisis, do we ever just stop to think, what is God doing here? What is God doing here? And by the way, He's doing something. He wants to work. He is working. And so I want to say, what is a crisis? This would be a crisis. David's coming back. He's going back to his town that has been given to him by the king. He's going and his wife is gone. His children are gone. And by the way, all of these other men's wives and children are gone. The town is burned. It's ruined. And the crisis is simply this. It's a decisive state of things. Or the point of time when an affair is arrived to its height and must soon terminate or suffer material change. It's a stage and a sequence of events at which the trend of all future events is determined. He came to a crisis because his future is determined now on all of his family and all of these men's family, they've been taken away. You're talking about a crisis. Now let me just say, I believe depending on how it is handled, a crisis can either make us or break us. Because I want to tell you all something. You know as well as I do, you're going to hit crisis. You're going to have crisis in your life. You're going to have some zigzags in your life. There's no doubt about it. Everyone experiences times of crisis. They disrupt our lives. Think about it. I can look back through my life, think about the crisis in my life, things that disrupt our lives. Some are good things. You know, think about graduating from high school. I mean, hey, that's, that's, that's a crisis. That disrupts our lives, right? We got to get with it. We got to get going. That's, that's where the whole pressure comes in, man. You got you to get a job. Are you going to college? Are you going to get married? I mean, you're going to go to the Army. Are you going to the Armed Force? I mean, hey, these are things. Hey, what about if you're laid off your job or, or you've been fired or you've been terminated or, or something has happened there and there's no end in sight? That's a crisis. Think about this, when you find out that you have a family member that has a drug problem or an alcohol problem, I mean, that's a crisis. When you, when you realize that there's a member of your family that's dealing with some sexual or some devious sin, I mean, that, that, that's a problem. Can I say, sin and choices lead to crisis. There's sin in, that had led to David's crisis. What about a husband or a wife or a precious family member that dies? That's a crisis. What's God up to? Is He up to something? 
Or is this just because, hey, this is our lot in life and I'll tell you what, God doesn't care and He doesn't know what's going on and, and, and life's futile because we're all making decisions and we're all failing. And, and I look out the world and say, how more foolish can people become? And we become so negative and here's what we forget. God is up to something. Remember, David's going to be king. David's going to be king. So before he begins to reign as king, and by the way, he will. Doesn't look like that here at Ziglag, but we have to understand something. He must have experience a Ziglag to be the right kind of king. You know what God's doing? I'm going to tell you what God's doing. God's prepared him. God has a plan even in the crisis. And I want to say to you this morning, God has a plan in your crisis. God has a plan. By the way, certain things had to be prepared for David to be the right kind of king of Israel. Now we know he's going to go to Jerusalem. We know he's going to reign. But before he gets to Jerusalem and to be that king, he's got to go through Ziklag. And by the way, what's God doing in your life? What's God doing? Do you ever think about that? I want you to honestly sit and think about that. How much time do you think about what is God doing here? What is God doing? Why did God allow this? You ever just sit and think about it? You ever think about it? Because I want to tell you something right now. What that does is that puts you on a pathway to start thinking spiritually and not selfishly. Because see, it's all easy for us to sit and to think selfishly, but when we start saying, where's God in this? What is God up to? Then we start getting focused in on the spiritual. By the way, you know what's killing our country? It's Christians not thinking spiritual. What's killing our country is not the sinners, it's not the world, it's, the, it's God's people. We're not thinking spiritual, so what happens is we hit some huge roadblock in our life we hit some crisis in our life and what do we do we act just like the world we start thinking well this is why this happened and this is why this is going on and we start humanizing everything but here's my question what is God doing does he have a plan is he working in our lives absolutely and by the way some people become stronger in these experiences but some become weaker in crisis and what is the difference What is the difference? Why will some become stronger and some will become weaker? David became stronger. By the way, he hit a crisis. Why? Why do some become stronger, some become weaker? Why? It's not because of what has happened. Y'all hear me? It's not because what has happened. Because all of us, the Bible says we're a few days and full of trouble. So we're all going to hit crisis in life. So some people say, well, that person responded well because that's not as bad for them as it would be me. Well, here's what's funny about that. Uh, If it's personal, it's bad. Do you know the real serious surgery is if I'm having it? Somebody say amen. I don't care if it's a knee. I don't care if they're removing a wart off my knee. If it's me, it's serious and I appreciate your prayer. But it's amazing to me if it's somebody else, and that's what's amazing. If it's somebody else, and I see it in the Christian life all the time. It's awful funny. Somebody can have a need and they don't really think much about it. But boy, what if it's them? 
You know what? It comes serious then. It becomes practical then. Why? Because everything, nothing really becomes powerful until it comes personal. Well, some things have become personal to David. It's not why. The why is not because of what has happened to David. Do y'all know why strong people get stronger Christians because of the crisis and some are weakened by them? I want to tell you, it's not the why. It's the how we deal with what happens. We must see God in it. We must see God in it. Now that's hard for us to do because we're looking at something. There's broken hearts. There's broken lives. We're in the dark. We're in the storms. We don't see any way out. And so we start humanizing that thing. And we start making that thing all about us. And we start feeling the hurt. And we start feeling the weight. But here's what we need to do. We need to see God in it. I think about the great Christians of yesteryear. I think of Fanny Crosby. I'm sure in her own personal mind and her own personal thoughts, she struggled with being blind, but praise God, she's seen Jesus in it. You know why? Because most of the hymns we sing on a Sunday morning has been written by a blind woman. I'm glad there are some people out there that don't allow their crisis to make them bitter, makes them better, but it's how they deal with it. They see God in it. They say, hey, God has a plan in this. We must learn what God wants us to learn. Can I ask you a question? The next crisis you came into is that the first question you ask is, God, what do you want me to learn from this? That's not normally what we ask. We're like, wow, Lord, does this have to happen? How about we see God in it? Let's ask the question, what's God doing? What is it that He wants me to learn in this? What does He want me to experience in this? See, we must understand God's working. We must understand that He's molding. We must understand that He's preparing. We must understand that He has us on a wheel like clay and He's working on our lives and it's not always painless and it's not always perfect and it's not always hunky-dory. Many times He mars the clay in the hand of the potter, but the Bible says that He does it what seemeth great or seemeth good to the potter. We must trust even in our crisis that God is working how do we react to the ziklags how do we react to the crisis in our lives how do you act how do you react if I was to sit down and say hey I want to ask your children because by the way they'll tell me the truth If they were brave enough, they'd tell me the truth. They'd say, well, here's what my mommy and daddy does. Or this is how they react to this crisis. Or this is what happens. Well, listen, would you be ashamed or would you be encouraged by the way we react to our crisis? How do we respond in dealing with our crisis? How did David respond in his time of crisis? He's at the bottom. (laughs) Can we learn something? I believe we can. Two quick things, we're going to the house. Y'all know quick is a... That's not really user-friendly there, by the way. There's two things, and I'll be a little more honest there. Two things, and we'll be out of here in a bit. Number one, I want you to notice the nature of David's crisis. This is a dark period in David's life. Remember how he got here. We have to remember how we got here. In chapter 27, David, after having this conversation with Saul, 
Saul basically said, son, I'm not going to chase you anymore. David just poured out his heart to Saul and said, look, I want you to know I love you even though you've been trying to kill me all this time. I mean, some real things broke through there because we know Saul never chased him again. But here's what happened, man. Just like happens to us. Boy, David got to sitting down and here's what he said. He got to thinking himself. He got to saying in his heart, well, there's no hope. I might as well just go ahead and go out here and do something stupid because Saul's going to kill me anyway. So he went to the Achish, the king of the Philistines, which was his sworn enemy, and he goes to him and he starts telling him, hey, will you give me a little place to live? He gives him Ziklag. He goes out and starts doing the king's bidding, but really what he's doing is he's coming back and he's lying to the king and telling him that he's, he's invading his own people when he's invading the Philistines and killing them. And the Bible says David killed everybody in the town so they wouldn't go back and tell the king. So David is lying to the king and murdering innocent people. Then they get ready to go and fight the Israelites and they... David says, I'll go with you, man. The king was all for that. He became a servant to the king and it was like his personal bodyguard and the king was like, yeah, you come on and fight with me. And the only reason he didn't fight is because the other princes of the nation of the Philistines told him, we're not fighting with this man. So he sent him back. So I want you to understand, there are these men, these great warrior men. These are great warriors. We know that many of them are David's mighty men. These are great men. These are warriors. They're going back to go back to go to their families. And in the distance, they see the smoke. And when they get to town, they realize all of their children are gone and so are their wives. I want you all to think about something. Could you imagine the despair if you came home and your wife has been abducted and all of your children? All of his family was gone. The Bible is very clear that both of his wives were gone. And by the way, all of these mighty men, all of these 600 men, their wives are gone too and all their children are gone too. And the Bible completely describes this. Man, I'm telling you, the Bible says that they wept until they could not weep anymore. Bless their little heart. Last week, I traveled down to Brunswick, Georgia to go to the graveside funeral service of Mr. Edgy. And I'll never forget it. I got there a little early and I went to Miss Edgy's home and the Edgy's were there and I greeted them. We talked a little while. Miss Marsha and Bruce was there and we were sitting there talking and uh, little, the girls, that's their grandpa. They're close to the grandpa. They'd been crying and, and they, they missed their grandpa. And I went up to all three of them and hugged them and said, I can sympathize with you because both of my grandfathers are gone. And I'll never forget it as we went to the graveside. There was a great group of people there in honor of that family. I'll never forget as I was standing there, little, bless her little heart, little Mariah come up to me right after the service and she looked at me and she's like, Pastor, she said, I want to cry, but she said, I can't cry. She said, I've cried the tears right out of me. She said, I can't cry no more. And here's exactly what the Bible said, that these great men of valor, the Bible said they wept for so long that they couldn't cry anymore. Have you been there? These are not, these are great mighty men. They're all fighting men. They're all tough men. But soon, their grief turns to anger. 
Just in most situations, even with good people, many times grief normally turns to anger. And here's where we go. Somebody's got to be to blame for this. So you know where that fell. That fell on David. So here David is. He's standing there. There's these men that have followed him. And he's taking care of them. And now their families are gone. And they want some justice. And they, the Bible says they're getting ready to kill him. So can you imagine... All of David's hopes, all of his dreams, king, I'll never be king. They're getting ready to kill me. The Bible said he was very distressed. It's an understatement. So I'm going to die. No king, no, hey, what about that oil that run down my, my I'm going to die at the hands of my own men. And I understand why. Their families are gone. Their wives are gone. They're no longer grieving. They're angry. They want answers. They want someone to pay. Talking about a crisis. You know what? People that should not have turned from him, turned from him. But I want to say this. While they were turning from him, I thank God David was turning to the Lord. Now here's where I close. The nature of David's crisis, but I want to close with this. How David handled his crisis. This is where we can get great lessons. And listen, this is so simple. Look at verse 6. Chapter 30. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him. Because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his own son and his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord. Y'all want me to help y'all? This is simple. So very simple. What did he do? How did he handle this cross? Y'all not ready? Y'all ready? (laughs) He encouraged himself in the Lord. Notice how simple that language is. Read it. Read it there with me. Would you read it? Read it. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Simple, isn't it? How clear. You know what we do? We look to get on the phone with somebody. We look to find something on television to watch. Uh, we, uh, we go and find something that amuses us. Some, when they're in their crisis, here's what they might do. They might go and they just dive themselves into work to get their mind off of things. But I want you to read it. How simple. But David encouraged himself and the Lord is God. Is that how you do it? Is that how you do it? Is that how I do it? Uh, we, we look for something to watch. We, we, we find something that will entertain us. Maybe it, it, maybe it gets us on to, to social media so we can let everybody in the world how bad it is. No, that's not what David did. The Bible's very clear, very simple. The Bible said he encouraged himself in the Lord. He turned to the Lord. In a crisis. Now why is this so important? Why is this so important for David in this moment? All of these ups and downs of David's life. He's soon going to be king. Very shortly because Saul's getting ready to die. Here's what's amazing. 
David's going to face many more crises. And you know what I believe the Lord is trying to teach him here? Here's the great lesson. How to find your strength in the Lord. I made a statement to you the other day. Y'all know what a leech is? A leech. A leech is a parasite. Now, a leech will get on you, and by the way, a leech, if you're in the right kind of water, right kind of place, they'll get on you and they'll stay on you and they will suck the life out of you. They will live off of you. But that leech is not doing anything but gaining what you have. Excuse me, and I'll say this very kind as I can, but I've met a lot of leech Christians. It's not theirs. Their strength comes from other people. And by the way, strength should come from other people. But not your greatest strength. There'll be times in your life in great dire need of crisis. And you will have no one but him. And when you find out he's all you have, you will learn he's all you need. But I want to ask you a question. How do you find your strength in crisis? You must find it in Him. Now, if not careful, last week I do understand I was preaching from a broken heart. And if you missed it, all you say, well, poor pastor. Don't poor pastor. That's not why I said what I said. I was trying to teach something there. Where do I go? Who do I talk to? Who can I bear my soul to? Oh, I have friends. I have family. I have Preacher friends. But see, David's going to be a king. David's going to be the king. And so here's the reason I believe that he handled this crisis well is because God was preparing him to let him know that he was going to have to find his strength in the Lord. You do understand that you're going to hit some things in your life. And man, I know this is uncomfortable for us. But there's going to be things that's going to happen in our lives We don't have the power to do it. We can't fix it. Why does God allow those things in our life? And there are days that I physically and mentally and emotionally is so weak it's hard to get up off the bed in the morning. Have y'all ever been there? Oh, I'll tell you right now, Pastor, I'll tell you what gets us up. It's your drive, or it's your drive, or it's that person's drive. No, it's finding how to know to get your strength in the Lord. He encouraged himself in the Lord, his God. That is so simple, yet so powerful. And my question this morning, are you doing that? Oh, I know we're turning to magazines. Oh, I know we're turning to somebody that can give us some type of advice. Oh, I know our world is hooked and absolutely consumed with the doctor feels of the world. No, I'm asking you. Are you encouraging yourself in the Lord? I don't know if we've ever been in a crisis quite like David. But I'm going to tell you right now, it worked for David because he encouraged himself in the Lord. In his greatest hours of darkness, you learn you have to have the Lord. Number two, he encouraged himself in the Lord, but I want you to notice in verse 8, 
or verse, verse 8. And David inquired at the Lord. Y'all ready? Simple. Both points are right here in the scripture. How did he handle? How did he handle his crisis? Number one, he encouraged himself in the Lord. Are we? Number two, he inquired of the Lord. <laughs> Very simple. You know, in other words, he sought for the Lord. He inquired of the Lord before he made a rash decision. God help us. We are, the cat, we are the king of this stuff. We love to make rash decisions and that's just the way I feel and that's the way it's going to be. No, David didn't do that. He inquired of the Lord. He didn't make a rash decision. Before he got on the phone, before he got on social media, before he did something and took it in his own hands, he inquired of the Lord. He said, Lord... You tell me what to do. Lord, you tell me what to do. I don't know what to do. Man, do you feel sometimes like, oh, well, I'm a wimp if I say, well, David didn't. He said, Lord, I don't know what to do here. I think sometimes us men, we're so macho, we take stuff in our own hand. God ain't nowhere near it. And we do it ourselves, we bull through, we, we push through, we just do whatever we think's right in the moment. No, he inquired of the Lord. Can I ask every man here today, listen to me, you might think, Pastor, why are you so passionate about this? Because I've seen a lot of young men and men run their life because they bull through something. And they've not inquired of the Lord. Because I'm going to tell you right now, if you're asking the Lord, Lord, you tell me what to do, He certainly ain't going to lead you to do what I've seen a lot of men do. Including myself. He inquired of the Lord. He encouraged himself in the Lord. But he inquired of the Lord. He said, Lord, you tell me what to do. Here's what he said. Y'all ready? Here's, Here's the powerful thing. He said, I'm ready to listen now. See why? Because that crisis has done got him. It ain't no more. I said in my heart, Lord, I'm going to go. There's nothing else for me to do. I'm going to bowl through this thing. I'm going to go over here to the, to the enemy. I'm going to live with this king. I'm going to do all of this in my own power. No, he's ready now. You know what's happened? He's got broke. His wives are gone. Everything that he loves has been taken. And he's sitting there and his men's getting ready to kill him. And he says, Lord, I need you now. Here's what he said. I'm ready to listen to you now, Lord. See? He's going to be king. Y'all remember that. Y'all know that, right? He's going to be king. So what does the king need to understand? He needs to understand he must learn some things. And by the way, if you're going to be the right kind of daddy, you're going to have to learn some things. If you're going to be the right kind of mommy, you're going to have to learn some things. And where do we learn these things? In Ziklag. While we're sitting around and whining and griping and complaining and saying this ain't fair and I don't understand. Can you imagine the parents of that little girl that had the baseball in her mouth? Good strong Christians, by the way. Good strong Christians. Well, they would have reacted like everybody here would have. Maybe rightfully so, but I bet you they look at it different today. God 
can take bad things and make good out of them. Somebody say amen. I believe there's a verse that covers that in Romans 8.28. But the question is, do we believe it? Oh, I know we believe it now after the crisis. But y'all know I told y'all that story about the little girl and the mean boy and the baseball in the mouth. Y'all know what I told y'all that? To help you and help me. You know why? Because it's all, oh, man, I told you. Boy, I tell you right now, you can trust God. Yeah, it's easy to trust him after the tumor's gone. I'm not asking you to do it after the tumor's gone. I'm saying in the middle of your crisis, you need to be the kind of parent that lets your children know, even when you don't understand, your strength is in the Lord in the middle of the crisis. Not afterwards. That's a give me. That's the easy part. The world can do that. That's what separates us from the world. In the middle of the crisis, we are to what? Encourage ourselves in the Lord our God and to inquire of the Lord. In the middle of Ziklag. Why? He's going to be king. He must learn this. Where's he going to learn it, Ziklag? He's going to be king. He's going to have to learn. He's going to have to have strength of the Lord. He's going to be making decisions for thousands of people for many years. Where did he learn this? He has to inquire of the Lord. Lord, what do you want me to do? My life's not the only life that is going to be affected here. There's going to be thousands of people's lives. So Lord, you're teaching me at Ziklag. I'm ready to listen now, are you? See, we must learn to inquire of the Lord. We must learn... To encourage ourselves with the Lord. And here's what's sad. I'm preaching this message and many of us are going to walk out of this building. Like we've done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. And tomorrow you're going to hit a crisis. The first thing you're going to do is get on the phone and gossip about it. That's why we're in the mess we're in. Oh, I don't understand. No, we've learned two simple truths that every person from the smallest, youngest child in here to the oldest adult can do the two things that David did. You can encourage yourself in the Lord your God. And number two, you can inquire of him and say, Lord, what do I need to do here? Y'all know what happens? Anger gets involved. Frustration gets involved. And now we live in a day where Christians are like, well, I'll tell you right now, Pastor Mark, you just can't lay down and let people run all over you. Well, I agree with that. But when you're inquiring of the Lord, you're not letting people run over you. When you're encouraging yourself in the Lord, then you have to let some of that stuff go that you have no control over. But I'm going to tell you all out of personal experience, I have handled some crises like David has. But I sadly tell you that I have also handled some crises not like David has. I can promise you this, it's much better to handle the crisis and the zigzags like David did. Simple. Y'all ready? Encourage yourself in the Lord your God and inquire of the Lord. You know what that means? Inquire of the Lord means, Lord, I'm ready to hear you now. I'm ready to listen. What do I need to do? Well, I've been telling you. No, doesn't matter. I wasn't ready to listen. I'm ready to listen now, Lord. You think God allows those things in our life to get us to that place? How many of y'all are hard-headed? Would you say amen? amen? All of us are. 
Boy, God knows us better than anybody else, doesn't he? Ziklags in our lives don't have to be breaking moments. He teaches something. He's able, he's able, I know he's able. I know my Lord is able to carry me through. He's able, he's able. I know he's able. I know my Lord is able to carry me through. He heals the brokenhearted and he sets the captives free. He makes the lame to walk again and he calls the blind to see. He's able to even allow a baseball to go through a little girl's mouth to save her life. God allows ziklags, but yet he's still able. Even in our sin and our wrong, God's still working. You all know what? Because we're going to keep reading the life of David here in just a short little bit. David's going to be king. You know what God says about David? He's a man after God's own heart. And do you know, for many, many, many decades later, God blessed even bad people because of their father, David. He encouraged himself and the Lord is God. And number two, he inquired of the Lord. We all can do that. Heavenly Father, I pray you'll help us. Simple. There's not one thing here said in this building that these precious people have not heard. But Lord, I pray you'll help us to take these two small, simple, clear principles to heart. Pray you'll help us. With head bowed and eyes closed, would you stand to your feet this morning? Head bowed, eyes closed. Can I ask you, say, Pastor Mark, I'm here this morning and I don't know for sure if I die, I'm going to heaven. I hear you talking about all this crisis. Feels like my life's just uh, just a big line of crisis. Well, he'll help you. So that's me, Pastor. I don't know for sure if I die, I'm going to heaven. Would you pray for me? Is there anyone like that this morning? How many of you know the Lord has spoken your heart about something? He's helped you with something this morning. How many of you know you need to do better at encouraging yourself in the Lord your God and you need to be inquiring of the Lord? How many of you know that's you? Would you be honest? Amen. God bless you. Well, they're going to play something on the piano. I thought, what else would God have to do to get him to a place that he's ready to listen? That's amazing, isn't it? What does it take to get us to listen? Lord, I'm ready now. See, most people that defect from church, they've heard it all their life, but they really haven't heard it, see. But God allows things in our lives to get us to a place where we are ready to listen, Lord, and that is a good, good day. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We 
thank you for your grace. Lord, I pray that you'll take your word. Help us. Lord, these two simple responses. And Lord, here's what's amazing. You told him that he would recover all, and he did. (laughs) And I didn't get to touch on that. And Lord, when we handle things this way, I've learned we recover all. When we do it your way. Now, Lord, I pray you'll help us today. Keep our eyes on you. We'll thank you for what you do. We ask it in Jesus' precious name and all God's people said. Miss Peggy, go to the back. Folks need to hug your neck and y'all let her know how much we're going to miss her. We appreciate all that she's done here. And I want y'all to pray for her as well. So, Miss Peggy, you go right on back before they start leaving. And uh, you let Miss Peggy know. Tell somebody else you love and appreciate them on this Labor Day weekend. God bless you. We'll see you tonight.